Hello everybody, it's another Jelly Bean podcast from Smack in Sydney. I'm here with a star of the Das Smack stage, um, the star possibly of a, the Smack Reach team here. You've been held up as a leader, we've been listening to you talk, we've been watching what you've been doing, and we've been putting all this terrible amount of pressure on you, and I'm terribly sorry, but I'm very happy that I'm here with Annette Elenu. How are you? I'm fine. So thanks so much, Doug. That's quite an introduction. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a fan, right? Um, Tell us, tell everybody a little bit about where you come from, where you work, how you got there. You. All right, um, Doug, um, born, raised, and trained in Uganda. That for those that don't know where Uganda is, it's um, called the Pearl of Africa. It's a small country somewhere in East Africa. Yep. And um, that's where I grew up. And did you say pile of Africa? The pearl. Pearl. Ah, cool. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's where I did my medical uh, training, and somewhere between internship mm-hmm. and Cape Town, somewhere in between when I between internship and when I moved to Cape Town, I literally, I always say I was bitten by a bug, but I. Um, I was literally slammed with emergency medicine, right. and and um, I decided I'm going to do either emergency medicine or yeah. just emergency medicine, and moved down to South Africa against um, lots of odds actually. Right. Uh, family not understanding, friends wondering why I'm throwing my career away for a specialty that does not exist in my country, that is not registered, that doesn't have any single trained specialists, and um, lots of questions. But I believed, um, I think that. This is something that can change not only Uganda's health statistics, but Africa's health statistics. I think it's a special specialty, yep. and and um, but it's not for everybody. Um, no, no, you know. of course it's not. And so, like you say, there was there's basically no culture of emergency medicine in Uganda. No. Or there wasn't. No, there, there wasn't. And even now, it's still in its infancy. Yep. And I'm lucky to have been trained in South Africa, which mm. is where emergency medicine started in Africa. Yep. It's, um, I think they started their first program in 2015. It's about 12 years old. But they've, they've done um, a lot of things which I think have helped me grow as an emergency physician. Um, I like to think of myself as a hybrid yeah. <laughs> yes. So I love the Ugandan context. Back home in Uganda, I, I've i actually worked in every aspect of healthcare in Uganda. Right. I've, I've, um, I've worked at the tertiary level. Mm-hmm. I have worked at the regional, um, which is where I was trained. My med school was based in a regional, uh, rural regional level hospital. Tell us what it's called because, you know, <laughs> we want to know. In Barara, Barara Regional Referral Hospital, yeah, cool. which is yeah. in the southwestern part of the country. Yeah. Um, I've also worked in district hospitals. Yep. I've worked in villages, and part of the training is in Barra required you to spend six weeks of your time in a village. Right. We just got on a bus, got dumped in a village, and we had to assimilate into the community and health, yep. help with their health care. I've also been able to work with um, village health teams, which is essentially the lowest level of health care providers in the country. And I've also worked with NGOs, so um, I think I've had a pretty interesting journey, yeah. and it's given me a lot of insight into lots of healthcare issues in Uganda, and coming to South Africa and learning more about a specialty that can improve all these things has really been great. That's fantastic. Just a wee question, when you were, before you fell in love with um, emergency medicine and thinking this is the thing that I, I, I need to do, mm. what way were you going? Surgery. Surgery. 
Okay. I know. It's okay, I still like you. The, um, so you were going towards surgery, and yeah. so you really were throwing away quite a significant career. I mean, um, I, mean I, presume, <laughs> I presume that a competition to get into surgery is quite intense, and it's, it, there's a lot of, you know, there's a big future for most people who succeed, yeah? Yeah. Um, so I can understand why your family were giving out to you. No, my older sister's actually a surgeon. Cool. So a bit of it came from that, but also a bit of it came from... Um, from hands. I love working with my hands. Yeah. I love procedures. Mm. I love seeing quick results. And I think surgery spoke a more surgically oriented mm. person. So it appealed to me mm. until I found emergency care. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So stepped out of what was, you know, I could say a quite significant career and headed off to Cape Town. Is this a, a well-established route? I mean, I know that South Africa has system being more developed in emergency medicine and you know a big economy mm. and quite I mean a huge amount of challenges but also a huge amount of benefits and things that mm. they, they have they're quite far ahead in some ways mm. is there lots of people from sort of southern and eastern Africa or the area that go down and train in South Africa or was it a, did you just basically make up your own program and yeah. for yourself so South Africa is probably um, a country where you get the best uh, training in Africa. Mm. And they realized this as a country and, and created a supernumerary training program, mm. which is essentially opening up their doors to training um, doctors from other African countries. Yep. And in that way, sending them back to their countries to, to help improve systems. So there's quite a lot. There's people doing all types of medical specialties yeah. in South Africa. And these are doctors in training, so they've yes. qualified in their own home country. Yes. Uh, and I, I imagine not every country has a, a medical training facility or doesn't own that, but, but, but they finished their home version of the training. They go there for postgraduate training. Yes, postgraduate right. training. And presumably not allowed to stay forever. Is it no. actually, it's written into the deal, is it? It is written. So the supernumerary program says you, see, you, you cannot be registered as a specialist in South Africa, yeah. which I think is a good thing. I and And you'll have to go back home mm. and, and use your skills back home. Yeah. You know. Okay, fantastic. So you went through that. It's not that long ago that you finished it, is it? Yeah, I wrote exams actually last year. Um, I'm still recovering from yeah. exams. <laughs> You'll love medicine again, I promise. Um, no, the, uh, is, and obviously you've gotten through all them and you're yeah. working back in Uganda now. Um, not yet, actually. Right. Um, um, I'm, I'm heading back to a bit of Uganda and Kenya. Oh. Yeah, so two countries now. So A, a health system that crosses the two? <laughs> no. So I'm going to be working in Kenya as mm. a specialist in one of the hospitals. Right. But um, I love home, so yeah. all my free time essentially is going to be... Uh, spend home wow. as much as I can. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, you know, it's the pearl of Africa. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, Kenya is apparently not that bad either. I've never mm. been. It sounds fantastic. Mm. Um, so, uh, working in Kenya, that's interesting. I mean, so you're jumping across systems within your country and then you're jumping across systems from nation to nation. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't assume that you could transfer the stuff that you would learn off the South African system to Uganda. And I presume similarly going on to Kenya is different mm. again. How, how do you? How do you deal with that? Like having like training in one country and then having to work in another country with a, a completely different... Because these are very distinct cultures, very distinct systems, yeah? They are. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit of where... So before I went to South Africa, I did... Um, I wanted to improve my skills mm -hmm. in, in you know emergency medicine before I started the program because I hadn't been exposed to it. And the closest specialty to emergency medicine is anesthetics. Oh, yeah. So I worked... Uh, I volunteered for two years... <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I volunteered in the ICU for two years. What, like in your free time? No, or? 
Uh, actually, yes. Uh, my husband does not even want to remember it yeah, because, okay. yeah, I literally was not working. I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. I was just in the ICU learning skills, intubate, learning the drugs, and and you know how to respond to very, how to manage very sick patients. And one of the things is when I worked in the ICU that time, there's four four ventilators. It was a national referral hospital. Yeah, okay. And there's four ventilators. And they broke down quite a lot. We didn't have a blood gas machine. And so um, I had to do bloods for patients. I had to run from the ICU with my bloods to get a, um, you know, you immediate results. Yeah. I had to... I had to learn to engage with lots of people. Um, I, uh, um, I had to. I knew all the all the lab guys yeah, by name. Yeah. I knew all the radiologists by name because I needed to get a portable ultrasound, uh, ultrasound or a chest X-ray. You know, it's Straight not something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of it was, you know, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Uh, they got to know me, and I had to make friends with everybody yeah. because I needed them like this. Yeah. And it's it's not something you can, you know. For some countries, it's 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 automatic. When you need mm. a chest X-ray immediately, oh, you simply book and you'll have your X-ray. For us, you know, there's a bit of bargaining. Someone may mm. be very far, and oh, I don't have no. I'll come in two hours, you mm. know. And yet you need it to start, and people don't understand this thing. So, as I got really good at that, yeah. I, I got really good at at uh, you know getting to know who who I should know at at what point. And when I went to South Africa. I remember one of the consultants asked me to do um, bloods for a patient and review the patient with him later. And I kept checking every 10 minutes and calling the lab <laughs> for the results. And at some point, he's like, Annette, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm following up on the results. He's like, no, the system actually works here. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, okay, you know? And I started thinking about systems. Our system complete, and I realized I was working in a system that didn't even exist mm. to to provide emergency care. It existed, yes, to provide primary health care yeah. and cold surgical cases, occasionally emergency surgeries. But when it came to, you know, linking and a survival chain, there's nothing. Yeah, there's completely nothing. And so I've learned the South African system. I like it. I think it's excellent, mm. but I think it only works for South Africa. Of course. Yeah. Um, and going to Nairobi yep. is something I have to do. So the program I did is four, four years of training that is non-paid. Mm. And so you need somebody to pay your tuition and your bills. So the hospital in Kenya that I'm going to has paid my tuition and my bills. Right. So um, I have a bonding with them, which which is great um it will give me an exposure to another system yes and 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 then home is just home um i love home and my healthcare, my family is at home mm. and sometimes all these things we do is for family and friends to know that um they're well taken care of i mm. recently lost my dad like mm. um six my dad died in september last right. year but um he got an accident, and I'm very skeptical about emergency care back home. I don't believe in it, mm. but my, there was an ambulance to pick my dad. I don't know how it happened, mm. but my dad had an ambulance that picked him and my mom and the driver and took them to hospital. And there was a doctor there who managed them, right. who treated them. Immediately they arrived. And then he needed a city brain, which could not be offered. My dad was working in, in a rural district. 
And then my sister stepped in and helped get a private ambulance to move him because quite a distance. And then he came to the city and had his city brain. But after that experience, I was, you know, it made me think a lot. I'm like, Uganda is not as bad as I always thought, you mm. know. I went down to uh, South Africa and I was very angry. I said, we mm. don't have a system. But after my dad's experience, I realized there is something. You there's know, something. there's a lot of hope, yes. And at my dad's funeral, there was, there was a, a, you know, a mass gathering plan, you yeah. know. There was an ambulance. One of my brothers collapsed, but there was someone there, you know. Mm. And so... I think we need to go back to the drawing board and find out what exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you literally do need to do a stock <coughs> yes. take. You can't fill up the pharmacy unless exactly. you know what's in there. Exactly, yeah. We need to find out, you know, we need to do research. I love research. I think mm. we need to ask these questions and find out what exactly are we building on? Where are the gaps? Yeah. Where, where, where are weaknesses? Where are our strengths? Because yep. we actually do have strengths. There's things that are there that we simply need to build on or change. Be it or experienced nurses, it could be anything, yeah? Exactly. And so, in and just, yeah, typical dad thing, you know, teaching you lessons even, even at the, the end, yeah? Yes. yes. So, I've, I've now, I've completely changed my approach. I know things exist. Yeah. Before, I thought, oh, I'm going to go and save Uganda and, you know, help, you know design a system. <laughs> and now I'm like, no something exists yes but we need to find out what it is yes what are its gaps what are its strengths what are the opportunities and what are the weaknesses so this is a whole root and branch approach to even to finding out what the roots and branches are i guess exactly right exactly so how would you do that would you survey them i mean how would you put the, how would you put it out there um, do, do medical students all you were saying medical students get sent out to the villages yeah so they for example therefore is that quite Six random? Weeks. They get sent to everywhere? I mean, this, does every teaching hospital do that, or was it just yours? Just mine. Okay. Um, yeah, just Because I was mine. just sitting there thinking, like, well, if they're sent out to all these small places, you send them out with a survey. It's like, I want you to go and find out exactly what's available and bring it back to me. Yeah, so, so that, 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 that was my first exposure to research. Yeah. Uh, when we when we when we are just dumped. And they <laughs> literally just dump you and, and just see... What, what you will do. And they tell us at the end of the six weeks, we want you guys to present a project. Right. And what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. I actually learned how to ride a bicycle during that time. Right. I didn't know how to ride a bicycle. I, I was always afraid of riding a bicycle. Now, you, did you present that to the professor when you came back? Well, here's my, <laughs> this is how to learn to no, ride a bicycle. No, but I had to because we had to travel to outreaches yeah. and do vaccine drives and health education. And the boys just got tired of carrying us and they're like, no. <laughs> so I had to learn to ride a bicycle with a box of vaccines. Right. Into the village. Okay. Yeah. Would that be an unusual thing to do as a woman? In, no. You know, so it's just you haven't ever uh, learned. <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> I was in the thing. I'm actually, but I can see you on a bike, though. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Now, the, 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 so, so you've learned a lot about systems, and you've actually ha already had a bit of an epiphany about your own system. You're going to have a look at the Kenyan system. What's the Kenyan system like? Is it sort of same as you, not same as you can, but is it a similar level of development again? Is it a higher, lower? What's going on? 
Having watched uh, how one system works and then uh, Uganda and then go to South Africa and see how it works differently and then go back and think like, well, I'm going to bring that. You've already worked out that that's not going to work. Uganda mm. needs to make its own system. Yes. Yeah? yes. And yes, the place next door might be more similar than Australia, but it's mm. still different. Mm. So what's it about? What should we, should we, we can't then basically go like, here is a good system, bring it to your country. That, that's mm. going to fail, yeah? Mm. So what do we need to be thinking about? Um, concepts. Central concepts. Yes. I think it's... it's um, Concepts and building blocks yeah. that you need to build uh, sustainable programs for for anything. Um, we we need data, of course. We need research, and I think anyone coming in to help um, any system that is is developing needs to help with, you know, um, a baseline assessment of of whatever system it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so we need research. So yeah. we need help uh, and good quality research that is not going to stay in offices because it cannot be published for whatever reason. We need... Um, and, and people outside Africa have excellent researchers and people are now even doing research that I cannot relate to because yeah. I'm thinking... Why are people asking these questions? I think they're not useful. Yeah. But for my setting, they're not useful. But yeah. for their setting, they're useful. But I like the concept. Yeah. And I think we in uh, LMICs need to pick these excellent concepts of good research. Tell people what you mean by LMIC. Uh, low and middle income countries. Yeah. The, um, the, the, I tr we're trying not to work on the acronyms here. The, um, but no, so... Essentially, home-based research done by people who understand home or, or is their home. It's surely yes, building um, capabilities and trying to get... When you say bring the concepts across, give me an example of um, how... Well, let's start with a bad example of how a system can be transferred to somewhere else that didn't work. I mean, you, we've, we've all seen a few of these. I could, I could name a few. Mm -hmm. But essentially, this idea that goes in... And I suppose the biggest, thing, the biggest mistake that's made is that let's say in Uganda there's some part of the system that's working perfectly well and you mm. sort of go in there, right, we're going to make change all of this. You actually mm. knock down the bit mm. that's working okay in yeah. order to put in this whole great big grand new system. And, and it's a mess. Mm. You know? so, and then somebody who was happy, who was useful, was employed, now has lost their job, mm. is no longer happy, is the local expert, mm. but is a critic of the new system. So it's just this sort of ignorance of, of uh, you know, like you say, the local people. Mm. Um, how would you like to say do this? I mean, like right now we're in a situation where FOMED and all this sort of stuff is, and there's guys from Bad EM, and, and you know, a significant potential for providing assistance, help, help with concepts, help with ideas, and so on and so forth to anywhere where in LMICs, and <laughs> low to middle income countries, to help them develop the parts of the system they want. But I suppose they really need to be aware of this, right? I mean, they need to understand that they can, you know, you can't. I, I can't bring America to Australia; it wouldn't work, right? Yeah. And they're pretty close in terms of being wealthy countries, and there's quite a few other similarities. Mm -hmm. But it simply wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. The culture of that country is very different to this one. I can't bring Australia really even to New Zealand. We have issues here trying to get the Australian New Zealand colleges because there's times where they just don't quite get it. They don't quite get each other. Certain things are different, you know. So, what? When, when the FOMED people who I think want to reach out and want mm. to help, I mean, they have an opportunity to fall into the same traps 
that large NGOs or large organizations such as colleges of surgeons who do outreach mm. to uh, countries. Uh, you know, there's a, the Irish College of Surgeons, for example, I think runs a program in a couple of countries in Africa about the training of the surgeons, right? Mm. So there are established things there. So if that's working, that's a bit we wouldn't change. But if it's not working, mm. we will change it. But the FOMED people were often quite young. We're, lots of them are very emergency oriented, so we'll want quick results. Mm. So mm. it's a trap for us to fall into there. <laughs> What would you say to people like me if I thought I could help you out and so on and so forth? It's, I suppose it's understanding the abstract concepts and that they might be useful, but the individual details are not necessarily going to be the way you guys want to do it. Look, I don't read abstracts. You don't read abstracts? No. Oh, I see what you mean. You mean yes. <laughs> I always go for the entire paper to mm. understand what exactly is going on. Mm. Um, I think anyone um, needs to be in for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be physically there, yep. but you have to prepare your mind to supporting um, people for, you know, a prolonged period of time, and that starts with knowing where you are going, yep. with knowing the context in which you are going to maybe help or work or or partner with. You need to understand the people there. You need to read about the country. You need to read about the health statistics. You need to engage with people who work there, both yeah. both the locals and people who have worked there as volunteers or as visiting faculty. You know, just to get an understanding and and before you make a decision to put both your feet in, you yeah. need to have understood that and asked yourself the right questions. Mm. One is this. Um, Am I ready to do this? Mm. Uh, for how long? Um, what am I? You know, you need to set clear objectives of you know your 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 interactions. What are you going to help with, and how are you going to measure that? And what are you what are going to, what are the outcomes going to be? It's not just coming to Uganda, say, or going to South Africa and mm. cracking a few chests open on a couple of of. Of anyway. night shifts. It's I think they'll be a whole lot better at cracking shifts than I'll ever be. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 you know it's 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 a big thing. People yep. need to. It's it's not a quick thing. It's actually a big decision, yep. and we need people need to think more about it. And yep. even the even the even the countries that um, are accepting uh, help from outside need to ask the same questions. Yep. Where is this person coming from? What does their system look yep. like? And when, when, um, when an American emergency physician comes to the ED and say, activates a major, um, a massive transfusion pack and asks for a vent to say, and, and none of these things is appearing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then a little bit. <laughs> yes, there'll be disappointment. Yeah, there'll be a little bit on both on both sides, yes. you know, and, and <laughs> both sides exactly. And and people need to, you, you need to you need to understand. You really, I, I think both sides just need to be on the same page before anything starts. I thought you were saying that the person that needed the massive transfusion and the American oh, no, no, uh, no, physician no, I, would both <laughs> be disappointed, and I can tell how that works too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And um, look, I, one of the things that I would suggest, if uh, and I think this is something people should do, even if they're not. Um, even considering trying to do make an interaction is that we should be coming to your conferences. We should become paid delegates at your conferences. Yeah. So the AFEM conference and so on that's coming up, I think it's in October this year? AFCAM is in Kenya. So yeah. I'll most likely be on the yeah. organizing committee. Yeah, you probably will, exactly. Yes, yes. So people, um, look, SMAC won't be happening uh, next year. Other things might be happening. People from a lot of the Western and developed countries actually get 
uh, if they're in the appropriate sort of job, they get money for uh, training. And they can spend that by going to lots of places. And they can spend quite, some of them get quite a bit of money to spend mm. as a part of their package, right? Mm. And they can go to America, which is expensive, and they go to these other places, expensive. But why not go to Kenya? I mean, actually, just in general, why not go to Kenya? But go to Kenya, see the AFEM, the loads to learn, connections to make, and, and I think, you know, even before you start thinking about whether or not you've got a role or not, surely that's you as a, a Western person going and learning about the system over there and meeting people over there. Exactly. But especially if, if and I think mm. the FOMED people, you should, I think the AFEM and, and should be on everybody's radar right now. Mm. I would hope that a lot of people that are here would sort of think like that is, I mean, it's a very exotic choice from mm. the point of view of somebody that's over here in training, but why not? I mean, no. just give me a good reason why not. <laughs> I don't have one. I'll give you a hundred reasons why, why? you should. <laughs> yes. Um, it's an AFM, AFM, I think AFM is our, if AFM was a person, that'd probably be, um, I'm trying to look for the, for the perfect word. Um, FM is like um, like a mother yeah. um, for emergency care in Africa. Right. It's 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 where we go to when we want um, to be validated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives us a sense of purpose. It has connected emergency care across the the continent, yep. and it's helping us define our own emergency care uh, or context specific needs and and designs of of what we feel talks to our, our issues and also AFM um, has put us out there as an you know an organized group yeah. uh, of, of people that are focused yeah. on improving care back home so I think AFM has done a lot yeah. they they've, they've they've helped so many countries I, w- I was interacting with AFM before I even started going to my training as an emergency uh-huh. physician yes and um, I actually started the residence branch of AFM yeah, in, my, uh, in my first year. <laughs> why am I not surprised to hear that? <laughs> and, and, and it's going on. And we interact. We interact through WhatsApp. Um, yep. WhatsApp is our Twitter. Yeah. We, we, we have a million groups, but we interact through WhatsApp more yeah. than Twitter. But uh, so we meet, so people meet as residents. And if you see our conferences, which I'm really hoping to see you at the next yeah, day in, um, in Mombasa. I'm, I'm going to talk, talk to my partner about this and see if I can get permission. And, and, and I hope that she'll come, actually. I think she might well want to. But um, the, this, I mean, yes, and why not? Listen, everybody that's listening, uh, why not? Answer that question now. Um, <laughs> yeah. AFEM. So Kenya this year, and of course it moves around as well. So I mean, it like you know, even if you're not going in 2019, guys, 2020, or is it every second year? Is it? It's every second yeah. year. So last year was in in Kigali, in Rwanda. All oh, right, okay, wow. Yes. Never been there either. Yeah, and and when but we'll host it also, and hopefully in Uganda one day. Yeah, absolutely, in the not too distant future. Yes. Look, I. We could go on and talk about stuff for another half an hour, but the uh, you know I think everybody's probably got into the car park at their work if they're listening to this and, and driving or whatever else and so on. I'm going to pull it to a close. I hope I get to speak to you again, and if I make it to AFM this year, I will be recording podcasts at it, and I may get a chance to speak to you and some other people who are inspirational to all of us. And thank you just for being you. Thanks so much, Doug. It's been a pleasure.